The Invincible Teams podcast is powered by Evergreen. Evergreen provides teamwork, training, and consulting to help your team thrive in every season. If you want to have a team that makes other leaders jealous, get started by going to their website in the show notes and scheduling your free consultation today. Welcome to Invincible Teams, a podcast for team leaders and business owners who are tired of dealing with drama and politics, high turnover, and teams not meeting their potential. We know that team leaders and business owners like you are pretty much always under pressure to get the most out of your teams. And we believe that every team should reach their potential and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. Hey, welcome back to the Invincible Teams podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Mayfield, and today I'm joined by my new co-host, Alexis. So excited to finally get to do our first little podcast together, Ryan. This is, I've been looking forward to this for a while. Yeah, yeah. Glad to have you here. Uh, I've joked with you multiple times now. Uh, I needed your energy to, <laughs> to really bring this thing up to the next level. I think people are falling asleep. Uh, you know, whenever it's just me on here. So I, I need someone else to bring some excitement and energy to this. Man, I'm going to do my best. I do feel like some of the best podcasts, we've talked about this, some of the best podcasts and the best conversations that we listen in on in the podcast space are the ones that have two personalities sort of leading the conversation, you know, and not that one is, isn't enough, but I feel like there's just some added color when you have two different people asking questions of an interviewee. So I'm really excited that we get to do it. Yeah. Well, we are getting ready to share an interview that we did with, uh, with a friend and um, somebody who has uh, done a lot of work in this area of, of team development and organizational health, mm-hmm. uh, Jeremy Kubitschek from giant and, um, yeah, it was a great conversation. What'd you think of it? I I mean, I love Jer. He's one of my favorite people on the planet. And um, so to get to hear him just wax eloquent on all things giant and all things 100X leader was fantastic. I think, you know, one of the things that I love the most, one of the concepts I love the most that we talk about in giant is the whole idea of being intentional versus accidental in all things with your time, with your energy, with your resources, with your leadership. And so what I loved was that he really dove in deep on the nitty gritty in what does it look like to actually be a proactive leader versus a reactive one? And what does it look like to be intentional with the way that you're leading your people rather than just saying like, oh, hey, you know, my door's open and anybody can come in and anybody can, you know, ask for help. But rather than that, what does it look like to proactively dig in deep and actually lead your people up the mountain, which is what we will unpack a little bit. The whole idea of leading people up Mount Everest as the whole leadership image that we love to use. But yeah, I loved it. I felt like you brought so much great insight as always. Yeah. Well, so we asked uh, him about the concept of the 100x leader, which if you're not familiar with that, uh, it is a term that uh, you will find with Giant. There's a book by the same title. Uh, but basically, I think my favorite thing when I, when we asked him about that and to unpack the idea of the 100x leader was that 
he didn't go directly to, okay, here's how one person can become this super awesome leader. Hmm. He went straight towards the team and the organization as a whole. How do you create an organization full of healthy leaders who are multiplying themselves into, you know, people throughout the entire organization? Uh, And so if you're listening to this, if you're a business owner or team leader, whatever it is, uh, this this episode has a lot of good stuff in it. Um, and I would even say you might want to listen to it a couple different times to mm-hmm. catch everything. Uh, but this is really for not just for you, but for your team, for your organization as a whole. And so I think uh, I think that you will get some really good stuff out of this. Alexis, anything else before we send them to the interview with Jeremy? No, just that I'm really excited for this and for the coming episodes that we have to do together. I have no idea who our guests are going to be, but I'm just really excited for whoever they are to get to have some fun conversation both with them and with you. Yeah, well, excited as well. And uh, we won't keep you any longer. Here's our interview with uh, Jeremy Kubitschek from Giant. All right, Jeremy, welcome to Invincible Teams Podcast. How are you? I'm so good. So good to be with you. Thank you. Excited to have you here and got Alexis joining us for the first time as a co-host. Alexis, welcome. Also super excited to be here. This is our inaugural session, right? Yeah, I'm excited about it um, because I am pretty sure I'm the lowest energy person on this call right now. Uh, so I, I brought both of you on to, to bring the levels up a little bit. So I don't know. How do you feel about that? Is that too much pressure? Not for me in the least. In fact, it's so good to see Alexis. For those of you that don't know her, she's a rock star. So excited to have, to, to hang with you today. We've, we've been friends for a long time. So that's fun. I know it's a real, it is a surprise. I almost shot a quick little spoiler alert to Jeremy this morning to tell him that my face is going to show up on this podcast too, but I'm really excited for our conversation today. Good, good. Well, uh, Jeremy, start us out by giving a little introduction. You know, uh, some of the listeners are familiar with Giant, Giant Resources, uh, but may not be as familiar with you. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So, um, you know, I am a, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I'm a husband. Uh, I have three kids. I'm an empty nester. They're all 23 2119. Um, and I started at an early age. I'm a farm boy from Oklahoma who moved to Russia in the early 90s and started some companies. Classic and, story, right? Yeah, yeah, as everyone does. Yeah. And then moved to Moscow and then during a coup attempt in mafia and all those things. And then I moved and then I've lived in Atlanta for a long period of time. We bought John Maxwell's assets and ran the Catalyst conferences, built the leader cast. Um, and then, um, I lived in London for a few years and my wife and I, my kids wanted to move back to Oklahoma. So, uh, for, for high school. So we moved back here and we built a neighborhood as you do. So we built a, a farmhouse, uh, neighborhood is kind of a modern farmhouse called the Prairie at post. And then I, I build companies, I create content and I impact people. Like that's what I'm about. Jeremy, you know, we could talk about a million different things uh, on this, just any of the giant resources or, you know, different companies you've been able to work with. Uh, but what I want to talk about today is just this concept of the 100x leader, right? Something you talk about um, quite a bit. And so why don't you kick that conversation off? Tell us what is a 100x leader? Yeah. So let's start. Let me start uh, really high. We'll come all the way down. You think about an organization, right? And I've probably, I've been uh, in the, I mean, I've been running businesses. I've been 
consulting, working with, I don't know how many thousands of businesses I've worked with in. And what's so interesting about that is every single time I do this little exercise, I say, okay, how many employees do you have? Well, we've got 200 employees. Okay, great. How many team leaders do you have? Well, we have six, we have six divisions. And I go, okay, no, 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 I didn't. That's formal. How many team leaders do you have? I mean, supervisors. I mean, people who lead people. Oh, wow. I never thought about that. Um, 25? Question mark. 20? I don't know. And I'm like, so my challenge to everyone listening to the Invincible Teams podcast is to to just list how many team leaders that you have. Now, based on how many you have, then ask the question, are you intentional with them or accidental with them? Hmm. Next... Ask, them, ask yourself, are they 100x or what number are they? Now, let me I'll unpack it. So 100x is the idea that 100 means you're healthy. You feel good. You're, you're holistically healthy from your emotions and mental, physical. Um, the holistic, comprehensive self is healthy. X means multiplication. The Most of the best leaders, or let's just say the typical leader, in, uh, in, in companies are 75 to 80 plus people. They're positive reactionaries. Right. So they po- they're, they're positively reactive. Mm. There's a big difference between being positively reactive and positively proactive. Mm-hmm. So a positively proactive person is 100X. They are, that's where the metaphor that we use is the Sherpa on Mount Everest. They have to climb and help others climb. Well, if you're climbing as a leader, every team leader is a climber first. You have to climb yourself. If you can't make it up the mountain yourself, we've got problems because you're, how are you going to help other people get up the mountain, right? So you know, so we always joke and say, you don't want an asthmatic Sherpa. You don't want to follow an asthmatic <laughs> Sherpa. Not really appealing. For those that aren't uh, familiar or maybe uh, just haven't, haven't checked this stuff out enough. Explain real quick the Sherpa thing. We've been throwing that word around a lot, but just in case, why don't you talk about that for a second? Yeah. So, I mean, there's physical Sherpas. Sherpas are, um, they're a people group. They were born at 14,000 feet. So they have a genetic predisposition to the altitude at Mount Everest. So they're the ones who can climb up and down while all the lowlanders can barely breathe because they're acclimated. Well, it's the analogy we're using. We're on, we're honoring this people group because they're amazing they are so talented. And so we're basically saying a uh, not capital Sherpa, but a lowercase Sherpa. Why don't you be a Sherpa at work? Mm-hmm. Meaning think like them, act like them, be acclimated. See the, the Sherpa get up every morning and they go to the camp one or camp two on Mount Everest. They make sure all the ropes are good. Ladders are good. They come back down and they come and get you. And then they climb back up the same path, right? They didn't just send people up. Hey, good luck up there. Let me know if you get there or not. They went before you, they come back and get you, but they never carry you and they don't berate you. Mm. So what a Sherpa does is they calibrate support. What do you need? Oxygen, rope, supplies, got it. And challenge. Mm. I know your personality. I know some of you need a little bit of a stern command and some of you need a pat on the back and some of you just need to follow. So they calibrate support and they calibrate challenge and they're the best leaders in the world. So if that's the case, being a Sherpa in your team means that you take these tools that we're providing, that you're providing, right? You have tools, leverage the tools, use them to be the best leader you can possibly be. I love too, just the image in that 
Jeremy of like the calling up instead of calling out, you know, like the fact that what a Sherpa is actually doing is literally calling you like up the mountain. Um, and we talk a lot about that. Just the, the best of leaders are going to do a much better job of actually energizing and exciting mm-hmm. their people to do the work versus just telling them what they have to do and then expecting that they'll do it or kind of mm-hmm. giving those kind of stern commands, but not putting the support in where it's necessary as well. And that, yeah, that whole idea of calibration of support and challenge is a tricky one. It's one that we have to actually do intentionally. It doesn't happen accidentally. We know that. Um, but I love that the Sherpas do such a great job of painting that picture for us. Absolutely. No, it, it is such an aspirational. It's like, if you're going to fight for the highest possible good of your people, then you have to do the work yourself because people have to, that you're willing to grow and change. And, and then you know, that's the first step. And then once you do, then you get good at leading yourself. That means you liberate yourself. You call yourself up, not out. Then you learn how to do it for other people. So it's an art. It's a science. Uh, that's why I think people like Giant because it's not just the book of the month. It's not a shtick. It's not a bunch of 20th century leadership jargon that are in bullet points. Um, it's a system, but it's really a lifestyle is what it is. And we basically created it mainly out of our failings, uh, mainly out of my weakness, mainly out of out of just issues that Steve Cocker and I have had. And we're like, huh, I bet you everyone else deals with the same thing. <laughs> and then we came up with a metaphor to explain it for an educated 13-year-old, knowing that it's not about cul-de-sac learning. It actually, everyone in the organization needs to understand it. So the idea is like, no, to get to 100, you have to look at your current number. Are you at 70? Are you at 60? And we have a formula we can get into if you want to, uh, to, to explain how you kind of figure out your number. Yeah. But then that journey from 70 to 100, it's hard. Mm. But the journey from a plus to an X is really, really hard. Mm. And then if you're a, a, a minus, a negative, or a divide, I mean, there's people who are 40 divide, 60 minus, 70 plus 90 X, right? So to go from 40, that's, you've got counseling. 60 minus is someone who's jaded and negative and they're worn out. 75 plus is the average and and so on and so forth. So that's the concept of 100 X. It's funny, Jared, when I hear you talk about um, positively reactive, that's such a great term in light of the fact that you can be a relatively healthy leader. You can be at 70, like you're talking about, and things can be going fine, but you can not know what you are, what you're missing. You can not know what you don't know. Right. And when you have talked in the last few months, I've heard you on a number of different things, talk about the difference between a leader who says, Hey, my door's always open and sort of like chills out in their office and does their thing and does well, but doesn't necessarily proactively build into their people. There's, there's such a massive difference in those two types of leaders. And so I love you just unpacking the idea of like getting from 70 to hundred is a totally, it's a different kind of leadership. I mean, think about 75 plus people are typically accidental. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just hope everything kind of goes well. If you hire the right people, that'll just kind of happen. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we're all, what's the problem? Can't we just all do our thing? Just climb, just climb. So much of their time too, is just they're reacting to putting out fires and doing it maybe fine, but not proactively actually looking at how could we be better? How can we actually take these people who are 
doing fine enough and absolutely pour into and develop and cultivate their leadership to the point where they're actually at full health. And then the sky's the limit in terms of the actual mission, the capacity, the alignment, the execution, that all just takes off. Such absolutely. Cool concept. Jeremy, whenever I asked the question about 100x leader, what one of the interesting things is uh, you dove right into the multiple leaders within a team, within an organization, within a company, right? You didn't go straight towards, oh, this is about individual personal development. So why the focus so much on all those other people? Do you ever talk about it in terms of an individual? <laughs> yeah, I might do. Okay. So here's, here's the thing. Um, there's been so much leadership jargon that's been put out. Mm. If it had worked, it would work by now. I mean, that, that's my thinking. In, this, in the same way that you could even say on spiritual jargon or certain things that people, there's something fundamentally uh, disconnecting with people. So for me, a team uh, is a, a flywheel inside an organization. And um, a flywheel is spinning or it's not spinning. So if you have 25 flywheels, that means a team is really moving. They have communication, there's relational trust, there's alignment, there is execution, um, there is capacity. All of those things together, they work together. If you don't, if you, let's just say I'm a, I'm a boss and I come and go, Ryan, dadgummit, just get on the same page and make it happen. All right, come on, dad, gum, let's go. Right. And that motivates people like lighting a fire underneath them. If I light a fire underneath you, you're going to move. Mm. You're going to move and then you're going to sit back down. Mm. I'm going to light another fire. You're going to get up and move because you're going to get away from the pain. But the light of fire inside someone. So that's why I said, like, on, on, uh, yeah, I said spiritual. I don't mean uh, anything against that. I'm saying um, there's uh, churches and there's uh, team or leader development and there's all of these things. But it, it's sometimes it's not, it's like lighting a fire underneath people to spiritual is internal mm. and leadership is internal, but you have to light the fire of a team leader mm. and you have to get them to understand this. Your job is to be the healthiest person in the room mm. and your job is to get everyone up to the next level. Mm. And your job is to spin this flywheel to make sure this team that means that you have to communicate properly and you have to build relational trust so that there's psychological safety. People want to be around you. Yeah. If they're not wanting to work with you and you light a fire, your wheel is barely moving. Mm -hmm. So back to invincible teams, think about if you have 25 teams, how many of them are really flying and how many of them are barely spending and every other team is working around that team. Mm -hmm. So the amount of conflict and, and energy is focused so I just am a big leader. Like no one is talking about this holistically in a big way right. that organizations are a cadre of teams. Mm -hmm. And if a team has a team leader and if that team leader is an asthmatic leader, uh, I shouldn't say that because there may be asthmatic, asthmatic Sherpa, you know what I mean? You could have asthma and be a leader. I don't mean that anyway, but I'm just I saying, asthma, if, Jeremy. I'm, I'm offended. Yeah, I'm, just yeah, I'm just saying <laughs> if that person is not worthy to follow. If people have to follow them, but don't want to follow them, then that team is barely going to move. It's, it's called compliance, not engagement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you have compliance, you got nothing. Right. Totally. I, I think about too, then the opposite of that, like the actual engagement when you do have a really healthy leader and when you have a team that everyone feels like these are my people and 
our ideology is aligned and like our actual thought process on where we're going is set and we're energized by being around each other is such a different environment and it creates so much more of that very thing that we're talking about it's the environment of collaboration and innovation and ideation because Mm -hmm. there's so much there's so much excitement and energy to just want to come to work the problem in a lot of cases is called self-preservation. It's insecurity. It's what are you trying to prove? What are you afraid of losing? What are you trying to hide? So then people just kind of get into their rut. And then that those teams, then, then, you know, there's the hierarchy and there's pride and ego. And then these people won't, they whisper to each other. So just do, just do just enough. It's compliance. Do just enough to keep the hamster wheel moving. And so it becomes, feels like a cage. Whereas when you're working with someone you want to follow, it doesn't feel like a cage. It's, it's what you're saying, Alexis. It's energizing. It's fun. It's free. And you can just run. And, you know, it, it's just like the level of, of uh, focus on intentional living, intentional leadership at the team level is what organizations need to fly. The frustration I have is oftentimes leadership is someone to go off and read a book. I call it cul-de-sac learning. And they talk to the leadership team only and they stay in that circle and they read Harvard. It's just great. It just doesn't scale. Mm. It's hard to scale it to 200 employees. So like the voices scales, tools scales because everyone understands it. There are times when you need deeper tools for deeper situations. But we try to create it for an educated 13-year-old so everyone can play so that people can start understanding, becoming self-aware and start moving those little circles of this team. Jeremy, let me back the conversation up a little bit to where you were talking about um, kind of evaluating where people are at, you know, on that hundred scale. If there's a, a team leader, business owner listening right now who's going, okay, I'm buying into this concept. How do they figure out where they are on, in terms of the 100X? And how do they answer the question you asked about the leaders under them, you know, how healthy they are? Mm-hmm. There's lots of ways you can do this. Uh, one way is you can just go, hey, where do I think I am right now? I mean, holistically, you get one through 100 as a health as, as myself, probably 80. I mean, you can do it that way. And you, it's subjective. Now, when- when you say health, though, you're not just talking about physical health. What all is encapsulated in that? I'm talking about emotional health, mental health. I'm talking about spiritual health. I'm talking about um, physical health, the culmination of all of those that you are as a person, holistic health. How healthy are you as a person? So you can subjectively give yourself a number. You could go to uh, friends and or family and go, what do you think I am? One through a hundred and get there and see how different it is from what you said. Oh, you're at a 20. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Wake up call. I just gave myself an 80. What? <laughs> uh, so that's one thing you could do, or you could use the peace index. The peace index is something that we use. It's a tool. It's really, really simple. It's a great way to help understand where your people are too. Everything we do at giant is about objective language. So objective language doesn't give room for subjectivity. So subjective is step it up, Ryan, dad gummit. Come on, man, get your act together. Objective is let's look at something together and go, hey, where are you at on the peace index? Uh, I'm about a 75, 80 right now. Where do you think you are? Now there's the language. So the peace index has five circles. There's uh, purpose, people, place, 
there is uh, provision and there's personal health. So it's it's taking all of those numbers and putting a number together. So you take, uh, let's just take purpose, for instance. How well do you think, how, how are you doing in your purpose? One through a hundred, how called are you to what you're doing? How alive are you in what you're doing? I might say right now I'm about a 90. I've been up to 95. I've been down to 60 one day uh, in the past, uh, but, but uh, I'm about a 90. Then you look at people in your life and go, all the people in your life from your spouse, kids, uh, in-laws, your uh, neighbors, your coworkers, collectively, how would you give the number? Any big drama, any sickness, anything crazy? No, 75, 80, 90, where do you think you are? You give yourself a number. I'm probably at a 90 there too right now. Uh, Then place becomes, um, where do you live? Where's your, how's your house, your neighborhood, your office, your city, your region? How good do you feel about that? And I'll just be honest, I was a good 75, 80 before we moved into our audition that we built because I was living in a house that I didn't really want to be in, waiting for the house that we were building. So it was pretty low compared to where we are. Then you go into personal health, same exercise, you know, where are you holistically, one through 100. And then provision is what what are you earning? How good do you feel about what your earnings are? What you're being provided for, your provision tied to what you're doing? And is it going up, sideways, down? So you take all five of those numbers, like a 90, 90, 80, 60, whatever uh, your numbers would be for who, whatever you are. I'm prob- and then you add all five of those up and divide by five. And that gives you your piece index. So what's interesting about that is doing that exercise. Imagine you have 25 people, you have 25 team leaders and make every one of those 25 do the piece index. And, you know, we, uh, we have a platform where we actually track it on the uh, coaching dashboard where you can track it and, and it could change every day. But let's imagine that we look at 25 and we go, huh, Kirk over here is at a 72, uh, you know, Janice, she's at a, a 65. What's going on with Janice? What's her, what's her low and let her share. And you might find out she's having, her son is having troubles. Oh, okay. Well, that gives you an indicator of how to help her. Mm. It's not just a performance issue. It might be a personal issue. And so the peace index gives you a, it's a better way than just going, Hey, how's it going, Alexis? Everything good? How are you? <laughs> oh yeah. Good. Oh, good. Yeah. Me too. Right. What does that mean? Well, no one knows what that means. So the peace index is a number that can at least get you. So you could do subjective, you could do peace index, you could ask people and collectively find out and go, you know, generally I'm a, I'm a 90 right now, or I'm a 70. I'm an average. I'm a 50. If you're below 50, it's a red flag. There's some, you get, there's some things to work on. One of the things I just think is most beautiful about this kind of work is the fact that these kinds of conversations don't usually happen at work. And so often because everybody's focused on, right, where are we headed? What's the mission? What's our, you know, what's, what's the job that we need to get done for the day? These kinds of, hey, how are you really doing? Just don't very frequently happen. And so what I love about this whole conversation and about the objective tools and the visual tools that we have to work with in the 100X Leader are the the very gold that they bring is languaging to facilitate this kind of conversation and to move you right into knowing what questions to ask to be able to pinpoint through language, through actual verbiage, articulation, like the words that we are using, the words that are coming out of our mouth, actually being able to pinpoint 
what's happening underneath what's happening, which then when we get to this kind of stuff and yeah, there's some murky waters that sometimes you wind up hitting when you hit some of these pain points, but then you can actually change them because you've named them. And then you wind up being able to execute on such an exponential level, like an exponentially greater level. And so I just, I'm so passionate about the whole idea of naming. We can't change what we don't name. And once you've named it, you can dive deep. I call it scuba diving. Cause I love, I'm like, so not about the surface stuff, my favorite kind of conversation, but then you get so much to the root of really why somebody isn't performing at work or why someone's coming in and not really excited to be there. Even if the culture is healthy, they're not. And so having these kinds of tools with objective language is just life-giving on so many levels. So Jeremy, let me play devil's advocate for just a second. And, you know, let's say I, 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 I knew it company. by the way, <laughs> can you I tell he's a, he's a guardian, Jeremy, ah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's say I, I own a company and my company has uh, 17 factories and those factories make widgets and, and my widget factories got managers and they've got shift leaders on their widget making shifts and, uh, why should I care about how Janice's son is doing, right? Aren't they just mm-hmm. there to make widgets? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so um, let me answer it. Yes, they are there to make widgets. And so the idea is that wouldn't what, um, let's see, Have I would ask that person, have you ever worked for someone that you despised? Have that worked for you? How engaged were you? Did you ever work in a place that you just were like, eh, if there's another opening somewhere, I'm taking it. Did you ever do that when you were in high school or college or your first jobs? So the idea is uh, there are so many companies out there that have produced turnover factories. They're making things, but they're and they have a habit and they're just used to it. And so it's called World War One management style. Send more troops in, go hire and get more. We need replacements. Send them in. Replacements. Send them in. And that's just part of our metric. Yeah, we've got a 17% turnover rate. We've got a 32% turnover rate. We've got a, and I've spent a lot of time with them. And so their their idea was, well, we don't have time. I'm like, but you do have time to work on your people because I mean, you have a 17% turnover rate or you have a 32%, whatever the number. And those are two rates I've worked with with you. You don't you think you might want to slow down? to speed up. And if you slow down to fix those issues, well, what are those issues? And what you'll find out is they're usually the supervisor. And it's usually the manager. It's usually the team leader. Because what happened is we take them from, hey, you know, Bill, he's really good uh, here. He's been here the longest. It's his shot next. So we took a performer and we then go, and now he's got to manage people. Well, like I explained this in the 100X leader. I, a climber is a climber. Okay. A Sherpa is a climber and a leader. Mm. The, the climber is not the leader. The Sherpa is. Mm. My job is to get up the mountain, but I have a Sherpa to help me, but they're climbing right with me the whole time. So if I have a supervisor, the supervisor has to be thinking like the Sherpa, like, like they are climbing, they're performing and helping performers. Mm -hmm. But if they're a performer who just has a management job, number one, they're probably not thinking about it. They didn't even know that was an expectation because no one told them their boss was probably horrible. And they go, well, at least I'm better than Tom. (laughs) And, and then no one complains because that's just the way it is here at turnover factory land. (laughs) And, 
So, you know, and so they produce their number one export is turnover. Hmm. Yeah. And so I go, all right, so is it about Janice and her son? No, it's really not. Is it about Janice being the healthiest she can possibly be? Absolutely. Why wouldn't I want her to be the health? If she's the healthiest, because here's the thing, and especially in this era, personal stuff is no longer compartmentalized because we have these little things called smartphones. Anywhere we are, a text comes in, can totally change the dynamics. You have a sick kid, it affects you. You have a you have drama at home, it comes with you. So therefore, the healthier our people are, the better of an opportunity we have to have more success and be more productive. So it's really about productivity. If you want to be the most productive, then you get your team leaders and make them turn them into Sherpas. Get them to be a Sherpa. The better they are, the more impact it will have on the entire organization. So, you know, we say, let's say we get the hundred, you know, zero to a hundred thing figured out. What about the second part of that? Uh, knowing if you are a multiplying leader, uh, a leader who just adds, uh, how do people recognize that one in themselves and, and in the others that maybe they lead? Yeah. So uh, the question is, number one, have you ever led anyone? And if you have led anyone, did they want to follow you or did they have to follow? Mm. And you can tell when someone wants to work for you versus has to work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then if you get to that level, then you get into, okay, what would have to happen? What, what do I need to intentionally transfer to someone else? What knowledge, what wisdom, what skills, what do I want them to get, to get to that level? Like, um, look, John, you're a supervisor. I'm over the supervisors. I know what I want for you. I want you to, I want you to understand the KPIs. I want you to, to walk a mile in your teammates, employees shoes. And then I want you to help them, give them their support they need, and then figure out how to motivate them. But I need you to get there. You come to work every day and you kill it. You do a decent job in your own performance, but then you whine and gossip and complain to everybody, all the other supervisors about your people. Well, that's on you leaders to find the culture. You're a Sherpa. Come on, man. I need you up here. I'm going to call you up. I need you up here. Why do you keep doing that? So that's an example of like, look, we need every single person. So uh, helping them. If you're a Sherpa, you have to help people. What do you need to transfer? What do you need to, what wisdom do they need? What's what's the next level they need to get to? And um, if you're trying to get them to another level of leadership, then that means you have to take time. You have to share vision. You have to, you have to have informal and formal time. You need specific encouragement. You're trying to help them. You're coaching them. You're guiding them. And that's why most people don't do it because it's far easier not to do any of that stuff. <laughs> but the ramifications are far worse. Mm. But if you do it right in the beginning, it's like training a puppy. You're going to be so glad you trained that dog Mm -hmm. in the very beginning. Five years from now, that first year, good job. But if you didn't do it the first year, five years in, oh, miserable. You know, we're throwing this whole concept out at people. And, you know, there's people listening now that are trying to wrap their heads around it. Let's say somebody's here and they're going, okay, I'm maybe 75, 80, I'm going to say plus, right? Um, what, What do you recommend? What's the first step, something tangible, practical that somebody listening right now could do? Well, so let's take two different types of people. Let's take a, 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 a owner or a, a leader of a company and they maybe has five teams, seven teams. 
Um, and they can do this through you, Ryan, but the ability to use giant platforms, giant.tv slash Ryan Mayfield. So that if, if they go there and they're on the platform, uh, what's beautiful is they can take a team assessment, invincible team assessment, and they can do an assessment. So team 360, they can see exactly where their team is. And it's a really fascinating. And then they can track it over time once a quarter. And you can see if there's growth or not. That's one thing. The other thing is we have something on the platform called Sherpa training. Pretty simple. It's every single week. If you're an individual, every week, you just dive into a tool. This week, it's support challenge matrix. It's uh, the teaching. It's about eight to 10 minutes. And then there's a couple of exercises all in. It maybe takes you 15 minutes a week. So you got 15 to 20 minutes to be fair depending on the week, but you go 15 to 20 minutes a week. And it might say, I want you to scatter plot yourself with your spouse. If you're married or with your closest friend. All right. That's interesting. Or today I want you to, um, I want you to teach the peace index to someone else, or I want you to go through the know yourself, lead yourself. Each one of them have a little exercise, but it's basically the learning tools to climb. So if you want to be a better leader, add one tool a week and you don't, you can slow it down. You can do two a month. It's up to you. It's up to your own pace. But by doing that and having a consistency where it's not like saying, hey, read a book um, a week, that's too much information. There's too much content. There's so many uh, things out there. But in this case, if we just simply go, look, add one tool, practice the tool, get really good at the tool and see what happens. And you, we all here know how powerful that is when people are like, oh my goodness, I'm dominating uh, at, at work. No wonder I'm not having any luck. I'm always lighting fires under people, you know, and it, it opens the door. It gives opportunity, but it's, it's good objective language. It's not based on judgment. Uh, it's based on health and healthy response. And it's based on really you giving yourself, uh, liberating yourself and giving yourself a little bit of a, a break and teaching you how to be a leader people want to follow. Okay. Well, Jeremy, thanks for, for taking the time to be on. Any last words from you kind of here? Yeah, the last thing I'd say is just, the, the idea of calling yourself up is the idea of like, you know, imagine being the leader you always wanted to be, but you never knew how to be. And that's ultimately what we do and what we're about, a giant. Helping you become the leader that you always wanted to be, but you didn't know how to be it. And it's a, it's a process. It's a journey. And so that journey takes time. It takes patience. It takes grace. But if you have the tools, if you have people around you, um, Ryan, Alexis, others who are doing this work, then they'll help you. They're, they're really the Sherpa for you. And they're playing a guide to get you to the next level and training you how to do this. So lean into um, Ryan, lean, in, lean into Alexis, anyone who's uh, wanting help, um, get it. It's, it's doable. It's reachable. Uh, we built it that way. I mean, that, I think that's the, the last thing I, I would say I'm proud of for our team. We built things and the number one thing we hear from clients, whether it be Google or the Air Force or small companies, is they go, this works. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, it, wor it works. <laughs> and because most of it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, this really works. And they're like surprised because they, they came in jaded and cynical, as most people are. So, yeah. well, again, thanks for taking the time and just thankful for the work that you have put in to this whole thing so that we've got uh, awesome tools and resources to be able to share with people, uh, to call people up, like you say, and, and help teams to thrive. So thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Sure appreciate you. 
Thanks for listening today to the Invincible Teams podcast. Please consider giving us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you are currently using. If you think today's content might be useful for someone you know, please consider sharing it with them. Just a reminder that the Invincible Teams podcast is brought to you by Evergreen. Evergreen provides teamwork training and consulting to help you eliminate office drama and turnover and help you get the most out of your team. Thanks again for listening. And like we always say, we believe that every team should reach their potential and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. See you next time.